0: Amen. So today I'm finishing a three-week series that I started the beginning of August. Yeah, start. (laughs) All right, so yeah, that's that's what's happening. So I started a three-part teaching series the first Sunday in August, and uh, which was called It Goes Without Saying. And it was based on some of the words of Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, chapter six, where there are three things that he states there And the way he says them, it's obvious he expects Christians to be doing them. Because he doesn't say, this is what you must do, should do, or I'm commanding you to do. He simply says, when you do these things. So we looked at when you give to the poor. We looked at when you pray. And last week we started to look at when you fast. Now for those of you that perhaps weren't here last week, just to, just to help you kind of put this in perspective, when we talked about, I talked about Jesus' instruction when you fast, and I said that I'm totally convinced that fasting is a spiritual discipline, but that was not where I wanted to particularly camp out particularly because in the month of August, we were focusing a little on the outreaches we do to those that are in need through our Grace Care programs, and instead of dwelling on fasting as such, I did recommend a good book, God's Chosen Fast by Arthur Wallace. I actually turned over to a passage in the 58th chapter of the book of Isaiah where the people of Israel are complaining to God and saying, seems like you're not listening to us. We've prayed and we've fasted, and yet you still haven't showed up for us. And what happened there was God came back to them and basically said, the fasting you've been doing isn't what I'm looking for. And so we're going to pick it up again in Isaiah 58 and verse 6. And here's where we're at. God said, this is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. And what I did last week was I picked out a couple of the things from from verse 7 there, and particularly dwelled on those. God says, here's what I'm interested in seeing you doing. You talk about your fasting. Here's the fasting I'm looking for. Number one, share your food with the hungry. Number two, invite the homeless poor into your home. And that was where we called a halt last week. So let's come to number three, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad. Here's, here's the kind of fasting I like God says. It's the kind of fasting which leads to you giving a coat to the people who don't have enough to keep them warm. That's what I'm looking for. There's a, there's a fascinating story in the later part of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus tells the story of what he calls the end of the age. And he says in the end of the age God calls everybody together and he separates them into two groups. One group he commends, the second group he condemns. And to the group that he commends He says this in Matthew 25, 34. It says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and took you in, invited you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When do we see you, sick or in prison, and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. Jesus makes the point clearly there to his listeners, to his followers. Look, here's what's really going to matter at the end of the day. What's really going to matter is how you treated those who had nothing to offer back to you. Now, you may say, well, that's kind of weird. Does that mean you can get into heaven by good deeds? No, you can't get into heaven by good deeds. But I'm going to tell you something. You can't have a heart for the hurting like God's heart for the hurting unless God has changed your heart to start with. Right? So what that comes out of is a heart that God has changed, which, which the New Testament described as faith that is seen by its works. You can't, you know, faith by itself, you can't see. You can't come to me this morning and say, you know, I got in this box. I said, what do you got? Nothing creepy. no, I wanted to show you my faith. You can't show me your faith by putting it in a box. You show me your faith by putting it in action, right? And what kind of action does God command? God commends the action that supports those that are in need, that are hurting, that are hungry, that are destitute, that are in prison, who are cold and need clothing, there, there's a story that goes back centuries about a, a Roman soldier who was called Martin de Tour. Uh, and, and the story is this. Actually, Martin de Tour was eventually made a saint and was often referred to as Martin the Merciful. Entering a city one day, he, there was a beggar at the gate of the city who was shivering with the cold. And, and he asked Martin to give him some money, and Martin whatever. He said, I don't have money with me. But he looked at the man shivering. He took off his huge Roman cloak, and then he took out his sword, and he cut the cloak in half. And he gave the half of this massive cloak, which was more than enough, to this beggar to give him some warmth. The story continues that that night that Martin had a dream and in the dream he saw Jesus in heaven and in heaven Jesus was wearing half a Roman soldier's cloak. It's just a dream but here's the point of it. The angel said to an angel said to Jesus where did that cloak come from? And Jesus replied, Martin gave it to me. Amen. Jesus said, "Inasmuch as much as you do to the least of my children, you are doing it to me. And compelled as we are by the love of God, we are also serving our God as we serve others. There there are a whole bunch of ways, of course, to to give warmth to those that are cold. And hey, we've done that literally plenty of times here. We've done so many coat drives at different times for the the, the homeless folks. We meet in our Saturday afternoon outreaches for other locations like our friends at the 180 Center over in New Haven. We've done coat, coat drives for here, there, and a number of other different places. And And there's a literal and a very um, effective way of clothing those that are cold. There's a kind of a metaphorical way as well that I want to just mention to you. I I was reading last Sunday later in the day, uh, a lady was saying she was teaching her children's class in church on Sunday morning about Noah's Ark. And she particularly dwelled on the fact that after the rain and the flood subsided, that, um, that Noah and his family came out of the ark. And then she said to the kids, so what are your questions when you think about that? You never ask children that question. <laughs> so one bright kid couldn't wait to shout out his question. He said, I got a question, miss. I got a question. If everybody got drowned, were there dead bodies everywhere when they came out the ark? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I admit I never thought of it, and you didn't either, did you? <laughs> so, so they come out the ark, and they start to reestablish their, their lives and their, and their families. And, and the Bible tells us that, among other things, Noah planted a vineyard. Now, the thing is, after planting this vineyard, he decided he needed to sample the goods. And on one occasion, Noah drank much too much wine. And one of his sons walked into his tent and he was laying there totally out of it and naked. And, sorry, two of his sons, Ham and and Shem, found him totally naked. And they went and told their other brother, said, hey, you wouldn't believe. See the state dad's in. And here's what Japheth did. He took a cloak and he walked backwards into the tent. And he dropped it over his father to cover his shame and his nakedness. You know, one of the things that pleases God, when we cover each other's shame and nakedness, when we don't point out each other's faults, when we're not quick to talk about somebody else, but we do everything we can to protect those around us, particularly when they slip. Because it's like, we've done that too. I'm not saying I've drunk too much and anyway ended up like Noah, but I mean, you know what I mean? You, but you know what I mean? We've slipped up too, haven't we? Yes. My Lord, only about half of you are telling the truth today. All right. So, but, but, but we have. And you know what we need when we slip up? We need, we need people who will help us, and we need people who will care for us, and we need people who, 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 who will do their best to get us back on our feet and where we need to be, Right? And that's the kind of people that we need to be. That's the kind of fast that God is looking for, helping those, covering people's nakedness, helping those that are out in the cold, literally, metaphorically too, and bringing them in. I tell you this, I love to laugh. All right, you might have worked that out, all right? I love to laugh, but you know what I want more than anything else? I want this sad world to laugh with me that's what I really want. I want this sad world to laugh with me. That's what I'm looking for. That's the kind of fasting God is looking for. Break the chains of injustice. Get rid of the exploitation in the workplace. Free the oppressed. Cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you doing is sharing your food with the hungry, inviting the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering, ill-clad. Okay, I hope you like the last bit because I'm going to start interfering now. Being available to your own families. Whoa. That's the fourth thing on that list. Share your bread, share your home, share your clothes. Be available to your own families. So often we need to remind ourselves that when push comes to shove, the most important and valuable thing that God's given us is family. Right? Most important thing God's given us. In 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8 it says this, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever." Our own household needs to be an important priority for us. God's into family. That's why the Old Testament opens with a family, right? It started, I know, with Adam, and it didn't take long for God to realize a man by himself is a mess so I need to do something here, and so he made Eve, and then they had children, and so the Old Testament opens with a family. And then fast forward to the New Testament, and the New Testament opens with a family. Because when God wants to come into this world in human form, He just doesn't suddenly appear on the scene like a mighty conqueror. He is born into a family. So we have Mary and Joseph and the child Jesus. God's into family. In fact, with the closing of the Old Testament, the Old Testament book of Malachi, which was predicting the coming of the Savior, it says this in, in Malachi 4.6, He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. So, one of the things Jesus will do, and one of the things Christ in us should do is turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the parents to the children, the hearts of the children to the parents should actually make family a tighter bond. Now, I know family is complicated. How many? No, don't answer, right? You, right? you know family is complicated, right? But here's the bottom line. God's will for us, And what God wants for each of us is that the family should be a tight bond, parents and children, children and parents. And I know that's not the case for some of you sitting here today, but I just want to remind you that that's what God wants for you, and what God wants has a way of happening eventually. So don't give up hope. Keep praying. Keep believing. Keep trusting. God's going to do what He said He would do. It's so easy to get sidetracked in life onto this, that, and the other, and to lose our focus on what really matters, which is home. It's home. As a young pastor, I, I, I fell into the same trap. I was, I was very much... Uh, I, I felt flattered by invitations. I had to preach all over the place, and I used to be, you know, I was pastoring a church, but I'd be going here and there and all over the place, and then into different countries and whatever. It's like, whoa, this is cool, man! I must be a big shot. <laughs> now I have all you to remind me I'm not. So that's really good. <laughs> and uh, but but you know, I got and so so that you know I. Um, I was away from home more than I should have been, particularly while our children were growing up. Because to me, it really, you know, it was like, here's an opportunity for me. Here's an opportunity. And I just want to remind some of you younger guys and ladies to keep balance and keep focused on what really matters. And the children God has given you are a gift from God. And you have a very short period in which to shape them. Right? A very short period. Treasure that. Maximize it. Make the most of it. See that as your life's mission. The day you retire after 35 years at your job, everybody will say they don't know how they'll manage without you, and they're so sad and sorry to see you go, and it'll never be the same. But next week, they'll say, who? Who? Sorry. I'm sorry. That's the reality. That's the reality of how life is. Life goes on. But you know, you know where you are absolutely indispensable? You are indispensable under your own roof and to your own kids and to your own family. Right? Amen. I told you I was going to interfere a bit this morning, right? Because family is so precious. Family really matters. And you know it works the other way around as well. I read this story this week that when old storks become unable to fly. They stay in their nests. And they are fed by their children. Just putting this out there, okay. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) If you're visiting today. Our our associate pastor, Charlotte, is actually my daughter. Uh, But the the young storks will will go to endless exertion to make sure they provide food for for the old stork. Uh, So it kind of goes, you know, young people today, don't forget, don't lose sight of, don't let yourself get disconnected from the people who've given everything they could. To bring you to where you are in life now. Be taking care of them. In fact, in First, in First Timothy 5.4 it says this. If a widow has family members to take care of her, let them learn that religion begins at their own doorstep. I love that one. Religion begins at your own doorstep, and they should pay back with gratitude some of what they have received. This pleases God immensely. So, being available to your own families is a key part. Now, you know, I've said this before, and no one has demanded my man card back, but you know those house hunter-type programs, right? (laughs) There's a zillion of them. I like them. I do. I do. I like to see the interaction between couples. I like to see a bit about different cities, different countries, whatever. And I like to kind of work out in my own mind, guess, you know, who's going to get what they want here. Yeah, it's generally the wife, I know. All right. So, um, But but I, I love watching those programs. The one thing that Really annoys me in this that pro those programs is so often they're looking for a house and here's a couple with two or three children and the guy says of course I'm going to need a man cave need somewhere for my video games I told you I'm going to interfere I need somewhere for my video games it's like no no you don't need a man cave you've got a wife and you've got children. That's it. That's it. You've grown up now, right? That's, you know, that's kind of... Okay, I think I'll quit now, and uh, at least I'll move on, all right? Because I could go down an alleyway here that would get me in real difficulty, all right? Be available to your own families. Value your family. Don't just be several individuals who live under the same roof. Treasure your connectedness as family. And God says in Isaiah, He says, um, if you will do those things, if you will feed the hungry, if you will invite the homeless poor into your homes, if you will put clothes on the shivering ill clad, if you will be available to your own families, here's what's going to happen. Verse 8, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Let me me just, just state those things again really concisely. So God says, if you will do these things in caring for others, number one, the dark areas in your life will disappear. Number two, you will experience healing. Number three, the righteous one will guide you. Number four, he will guard your back. Those are huge promises, aren't they? What if they worked? What if they're for real? What if we actually tried those four things God says we should be doing, and here's the outcome? But there's more. Verse 9, then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and He will say, here I am. So, so. Here's another thing. God says, if you do these, your prayers will be answered and you will know my presence. But there's more. Verse 11, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring. (coughs) I'm sorry, I didn't need that through the speakers, but like a spring whose waters never fail. So here's what God says next. You will be guided. You will be satisfied. You will be strengthened. You will flourish. All right, let me put all of those things together. God says if you take care of those that are in need, here's what's going to happen. Dark areas in your life will go. You will experience healing. The righteous one will guide you. He will guard your back. Your prayers will be answered. You will know God's presence. You will be guided. You will be satisfied. You will be strengthened. You will flourish. I want some of that. I want some of that. And you know how you get that? Share your bread with the poor. Share your bread with the poor. Take care of those that are hurting. Focus in on your own family too. We, we, we lived, as many of you know, for 15 years in a pretty remote corner of Scotland. And um, it was a beautiful area. We didn't have the climate to appreciate it fully. But sometimes Jill and I would walk from the little village we lived in. And um, we'd walk along an old, it was an old railroad line, but the track, but there was no trains anymore. We'd walk from there to the next village. And it was about a mile or so over to the next village. And there was a shop that had great homemade ice cream. So it was well worth the journey. So sometimes we'd walk over there. And as we walked over and walked up into the village, we, we'd pass a, a very old cemetery, a really old cemetery. And I remember one Saturday afternoon, I said to Joe, let's go in and look at the gravestones. And she said, Why? I said, well, you know, it might be interesting. It, you, know, it, 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 you know, it could be quite fascinating to see. And she said, I can't believe you. <laughs> but we did go in, and we looked around, and it was quite amazing. Uh, reading some of them, we saw that, like, I don't know, something like almost 100 years before, in a matter of a couple of weeks, there were a whole pe- lot of people from the same family that had passed. We saw, some, we saw one gravestone written by a person who must have been a, a preacher because his gravestone had this inscription, consider friends as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so you will be. Where will you spend eternity? That was a good one, Right what's written on gravestones, (laughs) epitaphs. And this passage in Isaiah 58, I'm concluding with a verse that basically I'd say, on my gravestone, though I don't plan to have one, but that's another story, I'd love something written from this verse. God says, if you do all this, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the old foundations. You will be called. What do you want to be known as? You will be called a repairer of broken walls, a restorer of streets with dwellings. You will be called a repairer of broken walls. That would be cool for a gravestone. Roger Blackmore, a repairer of broken walls, because that's what we do. That's what we're doing here Sunday by Sunday, week by week in different ways through our different efforts. We're taking what is broken, and with the help of God, we're enabling people to rebuild what was broken, and what God wants for you and I, and what God wants for Genesis is that we are repairers of broken walls. We've got a mission. We've got a purpose. We're fulfilling that mission. We're pursuing that purpose, but we must never lose sight of it, and we must never dilute it. God wants us to mend lives that are broken with His help and through His power. God wants this church to continue to be repairer of broken walls. And I want to thank all of you for what you currently do to make that happen. And I want to encourage you going into the future. Let's continue to make that our focus. We want to help. We want to bring healing to those that are hurting. Amen. Let's stand and pray together. Let's just take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you that when we were lost and when we were alone, that you came to us and you brought us to yourself. We thank you, Lord, that you've invited us to be part of your mission. To bring hope to those that are hopeless. To show those that are alone that they matter and are valued. To show that there is life, eternal life, for those that are empty. And Father, we pray that you will continue to guide us and to help us. So that our hearts will beat with the heart of Christ so the love of Jesus will flow from within us, and so that those we come in contact with on a daily basis will be aware of the fact that there is a loving God who cares for them deeply. Thank you, Father, that you care for us. Amen.